this guy, that guy, and this other guy in. We've seen that laser shot a few times already this year from Brock Besser. He's got himself a spring. Head up all the way, head up, head up, head up, big look, and then you can hear the ping, the shooter's ping. You can see that shot knocked down. Hendrick, attack for Daniel. Such a go, he scores! The Area 51 Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to this week's Area 51 Hockey Podcast. Uh, we have been given a gift from the hockey gods in the Benning signing, and we will definitely get into that. But first, we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the RFA news that's come out this week. And the first thing is actually going to be the Nikushkin signing in Colorado. And Oh, nice. Nice pronunciation. I yeah, know. I redeemed myself from last week there. So, what Redemption. do you guys... What is your guys' thoughts on that signing before we get into this RFA? Because I think that was the only signing that happened since the, since yeah. last week. So, I like it. Like I, I think it's pretty much like, uh, well, it's a low risk, potentially high reward kind of idea. Like, it's a show me, right? It's a nice one one year. It doesn't hurt Colorado in any sort of way. Who has tons of cap space, so. When Rantanen deal ends up being done, there's tons of cap space for that. If Nikushkin turns out and pans out like he was supposed to uh, when he was drafted so highly by uh, Dallas, then this is a steal. But if not, it's it's really doesn't hurt anybody. It could be it could be like kind of like the Radulov deal, eh? Like the show me contract there. It could like I I think about it more like probably Duclair, mm. you know. Like, um, just kind of given a one-year minimum contract just to see if he can get something going. And if he can revive his career, then great for Colorado and for Nikushkin. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I guess he'll take the road of Yakupov and, and disappear. What do you think his potential is? Like, if he can put it together, what is his potential? Uh, 55 points, maybe. Wow. Uh, that's a bit, that's high for me. I, I think he's probably kind of in the 30 point range. If Oh, you mean this year? This oh, I thought, I thought you meant like his, no, like... just his potential, just overall potential. Like yeah, I, think I think if he doesn't put it together this year, then he's done. In oh yeah. NHL. But I, I think he could put together a 55 point season in the NHL. Maybe not this year, like maybe this year, 30 to 40. And then I think his ceiling though is only 55 points. Yeah, fair enough. I, I just think, like, at this point, Colorado would be laughing if they ended up with a 30-point guy out of him. Or, like, mm-hmm. uh, right. almost like a like a Sven Berchi caliber player, you know? Like, not not anything anybody's planning for or preparing themselves for, but can give you some depth scoring. Like, I think that's probably right where I picture Nikushkin if everything works right. Okay. Yep. Good to know. Um, the other signing I actually did forget about that happened today actually was uh, Josh Hosang. And Nicole. And Nicole. But Josh Hosang yeah. is the interesting one to me because I feel like every team has almost been linked to him in the sense that they kind of want to pry him out because it just doesn't seem to be a fit in New York. Yeah. Um, he mm-hmm. had 43 points in 56 games last year in the AHL. So, like, this guy can produce at an AHL level. It, it, it's, he's an interesting story. Like, I don't know what it is about him, if it's just the Islander system or what, but 
I would love if Vancouver could take a swing on this kid just because of his potential. Well, it's one of those kind of high risk or low risk, high reward potentials, right? Is is somebody like Hosang? Yeah. You you just never know really what you're you're getting in him. Are you getting uh, a cancer in the locker room that uh, has attitude issues and will never actually reach his potential? Or are you going to get somebody that uh, shows as he does in the AHL and just thrive in an in actual given role like once he's given that opportunity? So I, I'm with you. I, I love the idea of Hosang, and I would love to see him and maybe to a lesser extent even uh, Dal Cole, like just to see what a change of scenery would do for for those guys because yeah. they they undeniably have skill. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I think Dal Cole fits the Islander system a little better. I think whereas Ho was saying, I don't know if it's just a coaching conflict or what, but I feel like Dal well, Cole. He can't wake player. up, man. He can't wake up with an alarm. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you, you with all that money, well, and you I don't know. Someone buy him a good alarm. And I don't know if it's overblown, the, the personality issues or the character issues that have been kind of spread around, because there's quite a few players that, you know, with or without character issues, real or not, thrive in the NHL and still produce well, right? Like, like many times, a few years ago, we talked about Patrick Kane having attitude issues, Phil Kessel having attitude issues, Evander Kane, you know, like these guys still produce. Well, apparently so, Phil Kessel still has album. attitude. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, and look at guys like Evander Kane, and you can argue that he still does too, right? Yeah. Okay, so into some of the RFA talk here. Um, first, let's talk about that interview with Line and how he seemed confused about where he's going to be next year. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's, I th- th- he's going to be in Tilted Towers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, it was weird because he was so non-committal to anything. Like, yeah, he's for a, guy... a player who doesn't have a whole lot of control over where he goes. Well, I, I love how very interesting. I love how they talked about uh, if he liked playing in Winnipeg, and he's like, yeah, it's been it's been okay. Like I play here, it's good. Yeah, and there was like some <laughs> there was an awkward pause in there too. Like. I yeah, think it was a it, long well. It was like, well, yeah. I have nothing bad to say. And you're like, what does that mean? Are you not happy here? What is it? I think Lyon out of all the RFAs is the most likely to be moved. If there is one. I agree. Moved. Simply also because of Cap and Kyle Connor, right? Like most of the oh, other yeah, that's R- the thing is like I would rather keep Kyle Connor right now than Line A just because of like I think Line A needs to be moved not necessarily right now but in in the next two years he needs to get out of winnipeg well i think if he doesn't move now he's probably not you know i think his next contract's probably going to be around a five year so i mean unless which is totally possible maybe he puts like shovel day off's feet to the fire and kind of forces his hand to move him but i can't see why he would do that when doesn't seem to know whether he's happy where he is or not yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, I think if those things are going to pop up, they're probably popping up right now. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the con, like, obviously the contract situation stuff, like the Kyle Connor situation and the money. 
but most of the other teams that have these RFAs only have one, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Winnipeg's the only one with two highly touted RFAs that are waiting for the dominoes to fall. Am I right? Well, well, well being a cap crunch team, Goldobin, too. Oh, right, Gold Dobin. Oh, God. Gold Dobin for a line, <laughs> one for one. They both need to change a yeah, And to a lesser extent, Besser, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the other ones that came up, um, Rantanen heard from Sackick the first, for the first time this summer since the draft. That's a little scary. Mm-hmm. You feel like with all these, um, these skilled guys, You'd be like calling that agent every week to work something out, not two months yeah. later. I think there's uh, a process. I think there's a process, yeah. and uh, I I think they kind of go, "Hey, look, um, in the dead of summer, we're I'm honestly going to just take a month off, and uh, we're like we'll talk to you in a month." Well, I don't I don't know if it's so much that like, but I, I there's nothing that Sackick does that makes me worry for the Avalanche. No, you know, like they're he, just he's fine. such a, yeah, he's such a calculated and patient general manager. I think that he sees and foresees that there could be a potential issue with cap in the future, which is true, right? You, when you have a team that that star studded, and then you have guys like Makar and and Byram and stuff coming through your system, and you're like, okay, in three years, I could be in a lot of trouble cap wise if I'm not smart. I'm going to wait for comparables around. And as soon as I have a better idea on what the, the RFA market is, I'm probably going to lock in Ranton in long term. Probably like he did with Sam Gerard, right? Just locking him in long term for a very cap friendly deal. It's a little high right now, but in the long term, it's going to pay massive dividends for him because the market's just going to keep going up and now he's got him locked in. So the other thing was Kachuk, they send contracts options back in June. And I haven't heard anything since, but since this video came out, I thought that was kind of interesting too, that they've given, it from the sound, when I hear options, like multiple different scenarios for Calgary, and they still mm-hmm. haven't got anything done. So it's just kind the of... thing to me that's interesting out of that is that it means that Kachuk is not one of the dominoes that people are waiting for it to fall. No. Right? No. And I, I thought that Rantanen might be one of them because Colorado's got so much cap room. and. But they, yeah. last last year, he was the out of all the RFAs, he was the highest points per game player, Rantanen was. Because it's true, Mar- yeah. Mar- Marner was 1.15. And Ratanen was 1.18. So he it's literally a standoff between those two guys. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that like all three names that you mentioned are all waiting on dominoes. Just shows you how strong this RFA market is that guys like Rantanen and, and Line A and Kachak are, are waiting for comparables to, from somebody else. Well, so, those those guys are the draft class of, uh, of 2015, right? Remember how strong yeah. that draft was? Crazy deep. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah, Aho insanely deep. When Aho gets a the offer sheet and he was what, the thirty fifth pick that year? Like he was a second rounder. And yeah, early second rounder. You're yeah. like you're an early second rounder and you're getting that kind of money three years later, that goes to show how deep that contract is. I mean that uh, draft Well, and I wouldn't even say he's the best player out of that draft. No. Right. So oh, no. you have you have like thirty 
40 players out of that draft that actually have strong NHL careers. Not just NHL players, but they're actually like high-end players in the NHL. So that, that speaks volumes about that draft class. Yeah, for sure. That is one. I think that has probably been the best draft class since '03, probably. Yeah. Probably oh, the, the the flurry the flurry one. Yeah. Or '05. '05 was also super deep. deep. Yeah. One of those two. Could you imagine? That being said, next year's draft is going to be right up there, in my opinion. Next year's draft. Yeah, is next year's stupid. Stupid deep. Yeah. And but, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there too. Good old, Cam- good old Kamloops boy, eh? Is ranked in the first round. Yeah, yeah, Connor Zary. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how far up he goes because I've seen him. I've seen him in the twentieth area. Hey, mostly there. Yeah, that's what yeah. I've seen. That's what I, I see is the 20, 20-ish area. But if he has a great year, like guys have gone from not even being in the first round to being a top ten player. So that's right. It'll be hard to do this here, but it's possible. The only way, but it shows how good of a player he is. Yeah. yeah. The only way this RFA class could have been better if McDavid was holding out and he didn't sign that contract back then. Oh, that would have been amazing. Oh. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? He's probably he wishing he did now. Yeah. He's like, he's like, forget taking a discount to win. This team sucks. Like, let's just get fourteen for, for eight years. <laughs> Yeah, you, I'm um, going to have to freeze my balls off up here. Like, <laughs> give me the money. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, that, people... would, that would have been so interesting if he was on an RFA. If he was an RFA right now waiting. Because then everyone would be waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, but the market would be different, and we all know what would have happened. He would have been like, I want eight for 14. And they would have given like. And they'd be like, ah, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Connor could have literally been like, yeah. give me the max well, you can give me. It would me. all depend on what Edmonton's. Yeah, it would depend on Edmonton, really, because if they were in a cap crunch, which they wouldn't have been because, you know, he's not signed, and that's a huge chunk of their cap. Yeah. But he also, could have got 15, 16, yeah. like, who, you know, somebody would have paid him. Oh, for sure. I don't oh, want to waste imagine, But no, could you imagine back if someone had offer sheeted McDavid this year, like, if you're available? <laughs> or, like, seven, oh, my God. Could you imagine if, like, if like four teams offer sheeted him a max deal, like but minus one year to the seven year, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll sign it. And Edmonton just gets four nail Yakupovs in the future. <laughs> <laughs> the whole city of Edmonton just went on suicide watch listening to this podcast. Good <laughs> <laughs> thing it's a Canucks podcast, so. Yeah, that's right. Because, <laughs> yeah, we're not gaining any viewership in Edmonton this week. <laughs> not after this last no. segment, no. Okay, but I'll move on from the hypothetical. Let's get into the meat and bones of this this week. So, like I said earlier, last year the Vancouver Canucks came out and said that Lyndon wasn't a part of it. And that was our late off-season talk within the Canucks. This year, we've got they've done it again. They've given us a betting contract and this is just i have seen so many different opinions from zero to 200 on this (laughs) zero to a thousand (laughs) that is so accurate it's like canucks twitter is imploded on itself over this i saw a guy saying he was switching teams he actually (laughs) was like i i am no longer cheering for the canucks i am choosing a new hockey team to cheer for i was like 
If you That's okay. Man. I saw a guy threaten to beat up a girl in Granville Street today. Oh man, no! Like, Why? like, Cam yeah, Cam Canucks Twitter's just. Oh man, so, like I can't even. Yeah, without words. Unlike a player's deal, we don't know money, but the and I don't no. believe it's been confirmed three years. But that's what everyone it has. And it, oh, it's actually been confirmed yeah. now. Yeah, I, uh, from what I understand, it's been um, it's been confirmed that to be a three year deal um, okay. or a three year extension. Benning actually has a media conference tomorrow, tomorrow on Tuesday. Yeah. We're we're recording on Monday, so I mean we're releasing on Tuesdays so today. Uh, the media conference will happen, and he'll discuss that. What I've seen from that is that there will be no Brock Besser news. It'll just be extension yeah. stuff. So but what I would like, what I would like to ask, just I, I want to ask both of you: Do you think it's uh, the right call, Sean? Uh, to me, I'm kind of indifferent to it. Like I, we did a roundtable at the Canuck Way, uh, talking about it, and I, I said I don't think it's a good deal, and I don't think it's a bad deal. Like I don't think it really changes anything for the Canucks. Our, because... our group chat was key to it as well. Remember, <laughs> remember? Yeah, I, I showed you today what you said about it. It's like I said. Just one, like one year amazing, five years terrible, three shrug. Yeah, exactly, and that's really where I'm at. So, like, I think if it's five years, that's an overcommitment. Uh, I think if it's one, that's a bit of a. You know what? I might even yeah, I might even take back the the amazing comment on that, just because to me that shows that he has even less confidence in just letting him do the show me through the year. Yeah. Um, I think three years is pretty much standard for GM, so I, I thought it would be right in that ballpark. Um, because but we know to me, Aquilini it doesn't change has, anything. We know Aquilini has no problem firing someone with a contract. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly why, to a me, it makes no difference. contract doesn't mean anything, so, like, whatever. Well, and, okay, so the Canucks make the playoffs, and Fra uh, Francesco's like, oh, okay, see, look, I've had faith in him, and he delivered. They miss yeah. the playoffs, He's like, okay, I thought I had high hopes for this. It doesn't look like we're anywhere near where I thought we were. We kind of went big last summer. Okay, either he's on his last legs at that point, or he's gone. You know, like we're yeah. all kind of viewing this season as a do or die. And I don't think that, for me, that doesn't change with this signing. Because it just means that we don't have a lame duck GM, which I actually like. Because it means that he's not going to be making moves to save his job. Because yeah. as far as he's concerned, his job's safe. See, th this year, I do think it is important that we make the playoffs. But I don't think he gets fired if we miss. Um, I, I think it's it'll be okay. The next year, though, he, we have to make the playoffs. And it's almost like the third year we have to win the cup. Like... Well, I think that's the thing is that we need to be on the building blocks to make 2021 the year we make a run. Yeah. Right? For so cup? if you miss, For yeah. like in 2021, yeah. the year, you should probably be close to making a run. 2021, 2022, this so core needs to be making a run. After the expansion draft? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm so, on the same like, page. <laughs> You're not on the same page? Like, no. how long do you think we have left? Yeah, this, 
That's the thing is the window is open and closed really quick with teams now yeah. in the league. It's not like, oh, it's not the good old days with Chicago, like, you know, the last eight years where Chicago had a window for six years and everyone's saying their window still. Chicago's window is closing, almost closed. Pittsburgh's window is closing, almost closed. L.A. is closed. Like, yeah, San Jose probably... San Jose probably has a little window open left, but there's other Mild. team. There's other teams coming into their windows. Right, Carolina, but I don't think Carolina, we've got to the window. Well, we're two years away. No, no, from the window. Like, we need to be starting that window now. Like we're not contending now, but we need to make the playoffs and make steps towards it. Right, starting now, and I think Toronto your full made- window opens up. Not next season, but like the one after that and the one after that, you need to be yeah. starting to really make runs because you got the Hughes entry-level contract that's going to be coming up at that time, the yeah. Pedersen one. Like those are just going to be some big contracts, and you need to compete when your guys are still on their ELCs, right? Well, the Pedersen won't be in two years. Well, that's what I mean, and same with Hughes. Yeah, so yeah. I here's what I think. I think we're four years away from being a true no, cup no. contender. What? Yeah. No, if dude. that's the case, then fire Benning now because that's we're why I was going to get into saying this thing. I don't like the three-year contract for Benning. I yeah. don't. Want, if it's four I didn't years any... away, then get rid of Benning now and get somebody in here that can speed this up. Because that's because so, here's the, here's the, here's the thing: is Carolina's window just open? They now have three years to win the cup. Toronto also only has about three years to win the cup. But Toronto's window's been open for three years. Their yeah, I don't think o- the three. No. I don't agree with the three years, but like, for, it for depends Toronto? on your management, right? Well, for any of them, because like Carolina has cap space in spades. Like they can keep that window open as long as they want if they play it smart. Same well, with Toronto. Like Chicago kept theirs open for almost a decade just because of being a savvy GM. How long right? has San Jose kept their window open? Since oh, forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, here's my thing. Even Detroit, NHL, you know, 25 straight playoff runs. But the NHL is changing where I think the windows are smaller now because everyone, like the whole drafting system and like the it's prospects. It's the RFAs. That yeah, the prospects are like to find good players is a lot different now. Where you know that people can watch people online, they can draft well. I think the league is evening out a lot more than we think. Oh, it's absolutely evening that, out. To me, doesn't make like I agree with all of that. I just don't think that means that windows are shorter. Here's I think my... that just means that you're going to end up with such parity through the league that the difference between the cup winner and the worst team in the league is going to be literally as close as St. Louis was this year. Yeah. So here's my thing. Okay. Vancouver has a lot of ugly contracts for another two to three years. Fair? Correct. Okay. Yeah. We are going to get our first full season of Hughes. We have Yul Levy, who still hasn't mm-hmm. played a regular role. We have Pot Colson in the in the KHL for two years. We have mm-hmm. Hoglander, who is likely going to be at least a year away from playing. Like, like there's a chance mm-hmm. he can make it, but realistically, he's at least a year from truly contending for a spot. So, yep. in, if, if uh, this is why I think four. In two years from now, 
A, most of the bad contracts are gone. Not all of them, but most of them. B, you got Hughes, Yolevi, the two stars we've drafted on D, or we expect to be stars on D, will actually have some seasons under their belt. And D take a lot longer to adjust to the NHL than the forwards. That's why Pedersen and Besser come in and they look good. Especially on a bad team, they just they stood out. Um, Paul Colson will come over in two years. He's going to want to at least have a full season under his belt before he starts really turning it on. Um, but I think the year he comes yeah, over... Yeah, I disagree. They, no, I totally but I, disagree. I, I, I think the year he comes over is the big push for, yeah. for the cup for the cup the the first year that we have pod colson is the year we are going for the cup that's what i think i agree and so the reason okay uh, like i can see where you're coming from nick but i think uh at least in my opinion i think you're overvaluing nhl experience you know like we've seen with uh teams such as well st louis and such as uh Carolina last year that you really don't need to have, you know, a fistful of years of NHL experience under your belt. Plus, you got to think we have guys like Bo Horvat that already have that. Elias Pettersson came, yeah, came over as a small body and didn't need to really adapt to the NHL too much. Uh, he seemed to do pretty well, I think. Uh, and then you have, <laughs> now you have Pod Colson who's like an NHL-ready body right now, and he's going to marinate in a men's league for two years. He's a beast. I, like, think I really play. think he's going to dominate over here. I think he would play this year if he wasn't signed in the K. Well, absolutely. There's no I, way he wouldn't. He's better than half of our lineup, in my he's opinion. He's better than Jake. Yes. I Yeah, I think... Right Pat now. Colson, yes. Right now. Pod Colson is better than Jake Vertanen. I have no qualms Ooh, saying that. Hot take. That's going on the Twitter poll. We're gonna we're gonna pull that out. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 behind that. I Pod Colson, to me, is exactly the type of player. He's gonna be basically like a um, a trade deadline acquisition on an entry level contract. It's gonna be yeah. incredible when he comes over. Two um, years. Two years in a men's league, he's gonna be a dominant force. I'm not denying that. I just okay, it's just he's he's playing NHL hockey over there, basically. Like, he's playing NHL style, yeah. And I also disagree with Hughes having to adapt. That kid was fantastic, sure. But what did he really play? How many games did he really play? He played five, and he got three, he got three points. I, I'll give you a little comparison. Luke Bordeaux, you know, we all we all yeah. loved him. He played 36 hockey games. He had two NHL points. Yeah. And he was better than Latang. Yeah. Exactly. The the thing is, like Quinn Hughes is an elite level skater in a league where speed kills. Absolutely. The, that kid can keep up with McDavid. I believe it. So to me, that's to have, that's a hot take, man. That is it is, I, but it's true. Yeah, I, I think like, that I I don't I want to I want to be at the first Edmonton game where it's like Hughes catching McDavid or not even catching, just not letting like wouldn't it be amazing? Just keeping up Mc, with him. Wouldn't it be amazing if McDavid went through a whole hockey game against Vancouver and didn't have a breakaway? Like, that would be amazing. Don't have that on the ice. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's scribbling Jordy Ben off of their Twin Hughes pairing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to me, like you have these players, they will be absolutely in their own in two years. And if they're not, that is that is bad news for the Canucks. Okay. Like you need to figure out what kind of players guys like Yo Levy and Vertanen are this season. And if they're not going to be part of that run, that team, then you have to find other people that will be. So do you think Benning can do that? Because he, we, I think we can all agree he's the most mediocre GM. Like, he's, oh, he's no, very he, average. But he, I, would, I would agree. But he, but he has strengths and weaknesses. He's really strong in some areas, and he's really, really weak. Like... So they should hire. Say, they should hire. They should hire a lawyer to do contract negotiations and never let Jim talk to players ever. So he's strong well, at drafting. Okay. He's horrible at contract negotiations, and he's okay at trading. Did you just say he's horrible at drafting? No, I said no. he's great at drafting, horrible oh, at contract okay. negotiation, and okay at trading. Hot take. I disagree. With all of it, I think he is absolutely a middle of the road GM. He is not in the top 10. No, no, no. Let me finish. Not in the top 10. He's not in the bottom 10 of the general managers. He's not elite at drafting. He's he's okay. He's okay. You know, like, if you look at those picks. Judd Brackett is underrated. Yeah, Yeah, but like, okay. If you look at those picks, a lot of them, everybody was picking that player at that spot. Right? Uh, they weren't I'll taking give... Besser. They weren't taking Besser at that No, time. no. Like, let me finish. Like, there, there's exceptions for sure. Like, Besser, okay. Patterson, you know, guys like yeah. that. There are exceptions. But who wasn't taking Quinn Hughes? Oh, I almost drove off the road when that happened. Like, that was the best thing. As, that... Like, as soon as Adina was picked, I was flipping because I knew we were getting Quinn Hughes. It doesn't take an elite scout or draft genius to pick Quinn Hughes at that point, in my opinion. Here's here's something interesting. So Ken Holland takes Zadina. The the next year he takes his name Bro- Broberg. Bro- Broberg. Yeah. Yeah, Broberg in Edmonton. If Stevie Y is the GM in Detroit, do you think he takes Quinn Hughes the year pro- like before? Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, look yeah. how far he reached for Cider. Oh my goodness, what? (laughs) Like, I was there, and the crowd literally, like, gasped. Like, as if someone was shot. Because everyone was like, who? Well, even Cider gasped. Like, okay, me and Nick were on the phone for that draft. And we were like, what just happened? Because he was ranked. Who the hell is that guy? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, he was supposed to go, like, 16th. (laughs) Like, like. Maybe he was in the top 20, you know, but that okay. looks like a good pick. Like watching stuff from the oh, yeah, camp for him yeah. looks good, I think be but fine. I'm just but you surprised because it is a reach. You know what's funny is Stevie Y said I was taking him sixth or I was taking him 36th. I was taking him. Yeah, exactly. I, I respect that. I like having your guy, which, you know, we had a guy. Case... We had a guy. Yeah. Benning had a guy. Pedersen. That was his guy. That was this guy, yeah. So let's. Well, let's... and to me, you have different guys that, if you're a scouting genius, let's say, or like your strong suit is drafting, to me, you should have your guy 
and have those guys lined up, right? Obviously, you're going to have some stuff that slides to you and falls on your lap, and that's no fault of your own, right? <laughs> but take advantage of it, obviously. Yeah. But to me, I'm not going around singing his praises because he's made good on most of his first-round picks. Okay. You know, if he's a draft genius, he doesn't – sorry, he doesn't pick for Tannen. That's right. Cool. Okay, so let's just. But if we, he's a draft genius, he doesn't pick Yul Levy. But we agree he's an average GM. Absolutely. Okay. I think he is the epitome so, of average. If the Canucks are supposed to contend in two years, why did we sign an average GM for three more? So he's there for four. Because I think average over the course of what well, we've been here eight years total. Well, can get you there. Eight an average GM over eight years can get you there. I just don't think average GMs actually don't spend eight years with teams. But if an average GM did ever spend eight years with a team, he would get you deep into the playoffs. Maybe. See, okay, so this is the thing about Benning that makes me okay with this deal. Like, I don't care about it. To be completely blunt, because to me, he's improving. Yeah, he's you getting know, better. Like, the last four actually days can that we see, saw were incredible. Yeah, you can actually see some shape of a plan coming together. And that has been a long time coming. And I don't know if it had much to do with Linden or if it didn't or if it was all Benning or if Aquilini is tampering in there and now it's all metalled up. I don't know. But I do know that there's been some grotesque signings. There's been like Sutter was called a foundational player and was given a huge extension. <laughs> uh, the good Branson debacle. Like, there's a lot. Like, how good would McCann look on this roster right now? Yeah. yeah. Not to dig up old stuff, but that's what the people who are anti Benning are bringing up. And it's so weird to me that, like, I, I tweeted but they out were this is such an inch. They were excited yeah. when he got traded. Oh, totally. Remember to me, the meat, though, the meat that was coming to the team, like it was just everyone oh, was stoked. I, I my heart fell because I I thought McCann was really a, a great player for us in his rookie year, and yeah. and I thought we paid a lot even for what we thought Good Branson could be, and then you, he you know didn't what? even come close to that. You know what is crazy is like Pittsburgh. With with him, like he he was really good as a third line player on their team, and next year, I think he's going to be a really good third line player with them. Like he's sheltered, be, sitting behind those big boys, right? Well, and you have the forwards to hide his mistakes, which makes that's it what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, I think he's going to have a great year next year. Yeah. Well, what I was saying was, I, I tweeted out that this was a really interesting time. Uh, kind of in Canucks history, I would say, because I don't think I've ever seen such a, a divisive GM tenure ever, where you have one side that only sees all his faults and one side that only praises all his, his uh, good, I guess. I don't know what you want to call that. Success. <laughs> his, 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 <laughs> his good. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, there's no, there's, Seems to be like there's no compromise in there. And the truth is, it's right in the between. And that's why I think he's an average GM. Is because he's not awful and he's not the greatest of all time. You know, so there's somewhere in between where he actually is. And I think it's weird that uh, the entire fan base is just so 
um, like horse blinded into their opinion that they don't even see. You know, like sure, the good Branson thing was a bad pickup, but he did flip him. I'll give him that. You know, yeah. doubling down on him that was that was bad, yeah. but he he ended up with Pearson. Pearson seems to be okay. You know, and then you have like his drafting. Yes, they were bad, but yes, they were good. You know, and some it's are really great, weird. and some it's are bad. Weird. It's really weird that all three players involved in that trade ended up on two teams. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so well, here... it's weird to see McCann and Good Branson are teammates. So here's my take on Benning. The first two years were kind of a wash in the sense that I believe Benning was truly just a yes man. And he mm-hmm. just did whatever Aquilini wanted because that's why he got the job initially was they didn't want to not be a playoff team. And Gillis was like, no, we need to rebuild. And he was like, okay, you're out. I want a guy who says we can do the playoffs. So Gillis got it. I mean... Benning got in there and was just ben, like, sure, yeah. I'll do my best. We'll do this. And then after two years, ownership finally realized, okay, we need to rebuild. So for me, I that's when I really started evaluating Benning personally. Like, not to say that what he did in those two years was you can't you can't um you can't account for, but I feel like we really start to see what what Benning is after those two years. And like you said, they're mediocre. He's got some really good draft steals. He's got some really good draft duds. He's got some decent trading. He's got some bad trading. He's got some okay signings. He's had some horrible signings. So, yeah, I think he's just average. And I don't know what to think. Like, I think three is. I think three personally is too long. I would have been happy with one to two. Honestly, yeah. Um, to me, though, like I think it doesn't really matter what the term is because if he doesn't if he deliver met, in one or two yeah, years, he's gone. Yeah, he's which is gone. Fair. Which right? is fair. So I, I don't think it matters. I think like what it is is he got the money he wants, and so mm-hmm. who, who cares? Who cares? Well, and it gets rid of the distraction at least, like from the organization standpoint. You know, you're not gonna have. Banning or Aquilini having to answer what's Jim's future? What's the like? Is yeah. he staying with? Is the vision and, staying intact? Are we going to change? Like, you know, and, and Bob McKenzie cool. did make some good points about how Benning has what he has done. He does deserve a contract. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He does deserve one, but um, and and like you guys said, like what whatever happens in the future, it really doesn't matter because. If we succeed, awesome. If we fail, it's gone. Yeah. Well, well and... it's not that it doesn't matter because if he's no, it's just it, in no, terms saying, of his longevity. I'm saying, yeah. yeah, I'm saying the contract. The contract literally doesn't matter, right? Because no, it could have been two years or three. If he fails, he's gone no matter what. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, like fans and everybody are making it out like, oh yes, he is in for four years. He's not a player. This isn't a player contract. Yeah. You don't have to try to buy him out or trade him or, you know, like Hold just up. suffer through him. This isn't a Louis Erickson situation. It's, he's a GM. GMs get fired all the time. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Co- you think Paul Ben like, signed a one-year contract? <laughs> like, let's be real here, right? So, so if in that situation, Benning and – Aquilini just like there just ends up being that Aquilini loses faith in that guy. He's, he's gone. Like, but 
okay, now let's talk a little bit different. He's up to her three years, and we talked about, well, if they just want a cannon, they can cannon. If <laughs> that's the case, does Green become a casualty before that happens? Because the coach always goes before the GM. I think they go at the same time. Yeah, I, okay, I find this really interesting because a lot of people are starting to put heat on Green all of a sudden. Which I don't agree with. Need. No, I don't either, because I think, um, first off, they're like, oh, he needs to perform, they need to make the playoffs, they doubled down on Jim, and now Travis Green's on the hot seat. I was like, no. You know what, if they make the playoffs, they're happy. If they miss, that's why they traded the, the first-round pick with a condition. Right? Like, mm-hmm. they, they've shown with their actions that they are unsure and they know that they're a bubble team. So whichever way that is, they're not going to, like, pin it all on Travis Green now. Travis Green has done an incredible job as far as I'm concerned with, with coaching the Canucks. Obviously, there's a few things that everybody's like, well, I don't know about how he handled Ladovin or Hutton or Tannen or whatever. Or Louie. but i think you know he hasn't really had a whole lot to work with right like this isn't a team that's uh underachieving no this this is a team team... overachieving because they're all like it's like four guys and a bunch of garbage bags he's been coaching a team that everyone's been hoping gets the first overall pick for the past exactly so i don't believe there's pressure on on him at all i'm just saying now that you've extended your gm for three years if things go south now that there's a three-year contract do you think that there's more pressure on green in the sense that he could be more likely to to see the fire bin compared to before or if it was a very short contract so in my opinion with nhl teams you can definitely tell when the coach loses the room you can tell by the players you can tell by their attitude he definitely still has the, you can tell, um, if by the player's attitude and their efforts night in, night out, he loses the room, then he's in the hot seat, then maybe he's gone. He still has the room, so I think he, I, like, he's still, everyone is on his side, they, they're, they're investing in his, his, his style, and mm-hmm. for now, so I think he's fine this year. Well, and, and to me, this whole this whole team was built Travis Green style. Yeah. Right. So, like, what good would it do to uproot that, and now you need to conform to another coach's style, right? Like, mm-hmm. Green plays a heavy physical game. He likes to hard four prep, four check. He likes to grind games out. Right. Yeah. That's his style. He loves that. He likes speed, tenacity. Those are his things. This whole which team I, is built around is awesome. that. Which is awesome. Oh, it's great. It's a lot of fun to watch, even when they're not playing great. It's a fun team to watch. Yeah. And I think it's built perfectly to that style. You have a couple really highly skilled guys, and then you have a bunch of guys that can be serviceable kind of grinders. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of uh, kind of how the 2011 team was built in that way. You know, there's a lot of the Kesslers and the Burroughs that were great players, but they were mostly kind of the grinding style was their game, right? Yeah. And now we're kind of getting that again with, with the big bodies and, and then see, a couple I think, of these skilled players. See, I think Kessler is a very 
like him and Horvat are very comparable, but Horvat puts up better numbers than Kessler did earlier on. Oh, and and way more um, consistent. Yeah. Well, and he also like you can tell he gives a care, like out out for Vancouver. Well, whereas, Kessler uh, did give a care. Uh, he did. He did. Uh, up until but the end. Was... But but he he. I don't know. It took There's a long more... time to come into his own. That's what I mean. It seems like Hor- Horvat is moving into his own faster. Like he he puts in more. You know what the big difference to me is? Is Horvat came into the league as a skilled guy, mm-hmm. and learned Kessler how to had to fight his way onto the team. Yeah. Right. So you had a guy that had to come in and play grinder minutes, and then eventually show that he has hands too. Right? Well, do you have do you, to come in just like Rose did play penalty killer, and Horvat hasn't had didn't have to come in the same way. Well, yeah, Horvat had no Horvat had no competition <laughs> when he had to come in. Well, I mean, <laughs> but you're Horvath underestimating Jason Magna, I right? Think. <laughs> right. The best the dean, the best the dean partner there was, and and also yep. you uh, you you are forgetting that he did start the one year on the fourth line. <laughs> No, but like that's that's different though, because he played sheltered minutes, but he didn't play grinder minutes. Yeah, he didn't make the team because he could fight. He's playing, but he, he like it's almost reminds he, me on how Goddard is coming into the league. Yes. Like Goddard is playing sheltered yes. minutes, not grinder minutes. Exactly, okay. exactly. I'm in total agreement with that. All right, so I think you guys are still crazy that this team is considering for a couple two years. But in your I record, think you're whack to think that they're going to take four. I'd be perfect. Yeah. Anyways, so, dude, I'd be switching teams too, man. Yeah, four, if I thought four years from now, I'd definitely pick a different team. God, <laughs> in your where hy- are we, Edmonton? In your hypothetical world where the Canucks are a contender in two years, what's their biggest obstacle they have to overcome in these next two years to become a contender? Is it like do they need to improve in a certain area? Is it the way they play? What? What do you want to see them do besides obviously get more points uh, to get in the playoffs? It's all about cap space, baby. Right now, it's all about cap space, so and it's, it's yeah. all like so it's in all those two years, bidding, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, we have a great system in place. I truly, I personally, truly believe in this system. I think it helps this current core and roster, and the type of players they're going after thrive. So I, I have, I have a lot of faith in Green. Okay. Personally, I, I had my like, I really liked Green. Even when he was in Utica. Well, the, the thing about Utica, about the thing about him in Utica was that he turned a team that definitely should not have made the playoffs in the AHL make the playoffs in that that grinder style. Like they became just this. Remember, remember that year, Sean? Like they they definitely shouldn't uh-huh. have made the playoffs that year, and all of a sudden it was like, why is Utica in the playoffs? Oh, okay. And then you just like look up who's, but he had Vertanen playing well. He had. Um, Reed Bouchard playing well, like he's had the, he can Boucher, get, yeah. yeah, Boucher, he can get those guys kind of going, and mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's right there again, I think, I think this year we make a huge step. So you guys think it's cap the, management from our average GM yeah. and Green's also, deployment? Uh, there's one other thing, okay. there's one other thing that's huge, the fans need to stop doing the wave when it's a 2-2 tie in the third period. <laughs> that is in the Viking cloud. 
I, yeah. will, I will tell you what my biggest concern is as to why this team will not be contending in two years. Goaltending. No, no. Markstrom, okay, no. just hear me out I, before you say no, 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 no. I saw this trending. I saw this trending on Twitter today. It was like people were saying Demko. People were talking about how they didn't think that Demko is going to do anything for the Vancouver. No, no, no. Demko's going to do something. So here's my thing. We have Markstrom for one more year, who has been a career 9-12 guy. Consistently. It's actually scary consistent. Okay, so if he's a 9-12 at the end of this year... Do you want to sign I'll him? take. <laughs> no, I'll take you guys out for dinner if he is a 9-12. <laughs> I want a nice dinner. Let's okay. go. Oh, take me yeah. out for oh, a yeah. So, Like prime rib and lobster. So, so that's one year away that we're at the end. Where they're going to be splitting time this year. Yeah. Then Demko's going to get the reins in his for his first full year, essentially, if they don't bring Markstrom back where he's the starter. And that's the scary part to me, because it's not that I don't think Demko can do it, I just don't see it in two years. And I don't see Markstrom being a consistent 9-12 goalie through his past three seasons, also pushing them to a stand like a kid. Unless, I do unless there's some oh. bullcrap Bennington run fluke, which... No, I, I do mm-hmm. think... I think we're confused about one thing. So it's not the second year. It's in two years, the first year that Pod Colson is here. Okay, so yes. after the expansion draft. So yes, it'll be yes. Demko's theoretical second full season in that. Yes. What? Full what? season no. in that. Because this like year's Markstrom and him are going to split, right? And then if they decide... Not really. Okay, who's, no, playing, it's really. who's playing... Markstrom's going to carry Markstrom. the bulk of it. I, we, we already discussed this. Markstrom's going to play 55 to 60, and then Demko will play the rest. Okay. So, then... I, that's not a split. That's not okay. a split. So, then the following year... So, your doubts is with Demko being able to handle the full workload. Yes. 100%. I don't think he would have to. Okay, so... I don't think he, he would be given... Like, I think that's a misunderstanding of who Demko is really is and what his potential is like we're not looking at uh and uh, to me those days are kind of gone anyways like the the days where goalies play 60 games a season unless they're on like a carry price led team but didn't we just say that this upcoming year markstrom's gonna play 55 to 60 games or am i misunderstanding he'd probably play 50 55 mm-hmm. but i mean that's because he's got a young goalie behind him if if there's a duo of demko and markstrom two to three years from now they're probably pretty well splitting the whole season. Yeah. So that's right. The thing. Like if Demko will have a majority of the games, but not by a whole lot, I don't think. Okay. And you're going to have a really fresh, strong goaltending tandem. Because I I do think Markstrom's going to be Luongo, better than the, It'll be like a it'll be like a Luongo and Schneider situation. To no. a, to a lesser degree. Yeah. To a yes. lesser degree. Like subtract the a Hall of Fame goaltender and have like a. A no, good goaltender. Well, what's the award called where they get the lowest save percentage if they played 25 Jennings. games? Yeah, so they could be like a Jennings contender, the two of them. I would agree with that. To me, it's all about having a duo, right? Like, And, and we've seen how strong like a, a duo can be even with, with or without like a Hall of Fame candidate goaltender, right? Like mm. Tuka Rask and Halak. Rask oh, was unreal. 
and Halak gave him the perfect rest through the season to get to and that Halak level. And Halak played unreal as well. Yeah. So I, I picture it more kind of along that vein, I guess. Like, Rask is phenomenal. Demko is going to be great. And Markstrom is going to be better than 912, in my opinion. Actually, Harmon Dale did a great uh, article on on kind of the projections of Markstrom. And to me, like, I, I have a lot of faith in, is Markstrom, in Markstrom after reading that. He's going to get two votes next year for sure. Exactly. Is Markstrom, do you think Markstrom would be a better goalie than this season because he's improving or the team around him is improving? Oh, he's got defense Both. in front of him. He's got Both. defense, man. Like, he doesn't have Chapu. Or not Chapu. Uh, he doesn't have... Pouliot. Uh, Pouliot. He doesn't have Derek Pouliot in front of him. Well, I think it's both. You have a you have a better defense core. You have a better overall team. Um, but he's still coming into his own. Like, we have a great development program for goalies now with the Canucks. I think Canucks are kind of leading the league in at least that department. Where with Ian? With Ian Clark? With Ian Clark, and we actually have an entire like team that, that deals with goaltenders. So there's like Dan Cluche, Ian Clark, all of them that all work with the goaltenders in developing these guys. I do and think that in the last like 10 years, the Vancouver Canucks have been the best goalie development team in the NHL. Yes, I agree. Okay. Like Eddie Lack loved the guy. He was amazing. Like, it wasn't amazing, but he... His best years were in Vancouver. As soon as he left, he kind of to the table. That's yeah. Fair. Schneider, uh, Luongo. Like you, well, the, I think Luongo as soon as we got Luongo, well, the goalie graveyard died yeah. in Vancouver. We were the goalie graveyard for a lot of years, and I think we forget that. But because we've been spoiled with pretty good goaltending for quite a number of years, right? Who was the guy that backed Luongo up when he had to go to the bathroom was it sebastian something oh oh i can't remember, remember this so well yeah too. i can't remember that was against the docks yeah but it was seven. like oh seven it was overtime Luongo ended up winning. Luongo i can even up... picture his mask it was the white mask yep. yeah oh man why can't i think of his name that's Seb- gonna bug me yeah i know we'll, we'll we'll tweet it out but it was i thought it was sebastian well, i'm hoping something. nick's looking it up right now Right, I'll, oh. do, I'll do that right now. Okay, dang it. I'm I'm blanking hard on that name. Oh, that's okay. But um, He played, so like, he, all of, like, a handful of games with the Canucks. But, but you know, he kept that OT going, so that was incredible. <laughs> yeah, I love that just, it was, like, a year later. They're like, so what happened there? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, two. I do think, I do think that, Nick, I think you're off on that that take that the goaltending is going to be the problem. Um, I, I think I, I can't see how in in two me, to three years the Canucks aren't in a position to do that with for the me, core that they put in place. The problem, the expectation. Well, sorry, Saboran. Saboran, Danny Saboran. Saboran is that yes. how it is? Okay. <laughs> I, I was yes. like, I'm, look, I'm looking you. at this name and I'm like, is that it? Okay. <laughs> That's so the one, Danny I do, do, do want to start. I do want to start a, a new take next, or not a new take, a new segment next week of <laughs> listening okay. to Nick pronounce hockey players' names. There you go. From, from <laughs> Tune in because I'm definitely going to get them wrong. 
Yeah, it's gonna be. You have to name just obscure names that we'll just unload on them. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You have to pronounce ten players from the KHL. How how you pronounce their names? <laughs> this is gonna be good. Yeah, yes, to rattle off. Hey, I can pronounce Kuznetsov. Oh, that's one. Good yeah. job. Um, yeah, but, but that's a that's a well known one. Ovechkin, yeah. that's two. <laughs> oh, Ter- Tarasenko. Yeah, Tarasenko. They don't play. Four. They don't play. Oh no! But you've named only one that plays in the KHL. So that's fair. Oh, that's also Yakupov? crazy thing. Did you see that team that got <laughs> a tiger? Like they're gonna win the championship. They got a pet tiger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You know how we had that idea about bringing a, a teen dog on? No, we yeah. need a teen tiger. No, we need we need a killer whale. Yeah, we literally need an orca. Just yeah, in but, a... uh, that's kind of illegal now. <laughs> <laughs> just as Sea World. Just as Sea World. Okay. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up everything. Did you guys have any last thoughts on the betting thing you wanted to say? Uh, no, I think we've really covered it all. Okay. Well, to me. If anybody's listening to this as a Canuck fan, you're on Twitter. Calm down, man. Like it's not a big deal. But to me, like you got to look at and at least be open to somebody else's opinion other than your own. We have such this, such a weird society where everybody feels like they're an expert because they have access to Google. You're not an expert. We're all playing hypothetical with this. We're all just kind of wondering and running through different ideas. Surprise, none of us are hockey executives. We all just yeah. are fans of the game. The so just is, chill out. People don't, they don't approach it like the stock market. People that approach the stock market, they, they always end all the, if you read any billboards about uh, the, like the stock market, it's always ends in IMO, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. that's all it is, because we have no idea actually. Like we're not pros. We, we just have opinions. We like to express them. But maybe mm-hmm. just express them, and some you know, a little less aggressive, a little, a little less aggressive. And just because your opinion might actually be right and someone else isn't is wrong, doesn't mean you have to be a dick about it either. Like, well, yeah. like, like it's these true. two guys saying that the Canucks are going to be a cup contender in two years—they're completely wrong. But I'm not going to be a dick. <laughs> <to that>. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from a Habs fan. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's funny because he thinks that the Montreal Canadiens are going to be at the Cup in two years. No, I don't. Be there. <laughs> I don't. Okay, so like to me, like not even really Aquilini knows, right? Like he has a better idea, obviously. He owns the team. But nobody has a crystal ball to tell you who's going to pan out and who's not. Or who's, who's going to get injured. decisions are great and who's not. And yeah, injuries. Like that's a huge part of the Canucks history. Injuries. Uh, well, recently ex- is dude. Look at injury look at, problems. The, look at uh, the Coyotes last year. They had a crazy amount of injuries, oh. and they almost made the playoffs. Yeah. Like, well, and that's just it. There's such a huge over, like, kind of this overturn now of uh, teams that are entering their window and exiting their window. Mm-hmm. That there's going to be quite the upheaval between like last season and the next couple where. Teams that were used to being perennial contenders are going to be lottery teams. Yep. 
And the teams that are just the basement dwellers are going to be pushing for the playoffs and pushing for deep runs. And the Minnesota so it's Wilds be interesting to see are still going to be the Minnesota Wilds. They're going to be <laughs> bubble team for life. <laughs> for the next 10 years, that team. One thing poor, I actually did want to touch poor on. Poor Devin Dubnik, man. Poor Devin Dubnik. Yeah. yeah. Poor ex-Blazer poor there. Um, one thing I did want to quickly touch on before we wrap this podcast up is Elite Prospects has been doing their rankings of the any the 31 NHL teams' um, prospects and where they rank the teams from best to worst prospect pool. And they hit Vancouver as the top Canadian team and fourth overall behind the Rangers, the Kings, and Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought that was... I thought that was a pretty fitting spot. Like that's where I had Vancouver pegged in that three to five range. It's funny because I did like I I did have Montreal's uh, prospect pool above theirs, just like what I thought. But um, I did think they were top five in the league for sure. Um, Crazy to think that Carolina just went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Their AHL team just just won the AHL championship. And yeah. they have so many other guys that are coming. Like, they, they picked, was it 11 or 12 picks in the last draft? They have 12 picks next year. Like, and they have crazy amounts of cap space. Their big superstar just signed to a discount deal. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Like, they're a perfect world, man. I'm going to, I'm going to Carolina. I'm yeah. going to Carolina in, in, in February. They're my number three team right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I got to be honest. I don't know what it is about Carolina that I love so much, but um, other than maybe everything, like I love absolutely everything about them. I love uh, what they've done with their team. I love their drafting. Uh, they're a lot of fun to watch. They're entertaining. They're just a bunch they of jerks. Storm surge. They're just a I love bunch of jerks. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. And I love like, I love their farm team. I love their ECHL team. You really love swamp their rabbits. ECHL team. <laughs> I freaking love the Swamp Rabbits, man. Like, yeah, I, to the Swamp Rabbits. Maybe it's the fact like, that they pissed off Don Cherry. Like, there's just so oh, much. Oh, oh that, like, and then, I mean, they've got great coverage. They've got a great social media presence. Like, they're doing everything right. There's nothing like, you can really hate about the... them. You know what's funny? It's five years ago, we were like, Who would have ever thought that? Get... No, five years ago, we were like, get that team out of Carolina. Like, Dude, I was thinking them. that two years ago. Yeah. Who would have thought that Dundon now came. we'd be viewing them as a model franchise? They are. They, I agree. <laughs> like, I love everything that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I think they're, they're just... a great mix of, like, and I just love that actually using Edmonton in the cup final. That makes me even more happy. Yeah. Yeah. But and yeah. I, I just think. And they got great... Rob. Rob Redmore is like, he's, oh, an he's, awesome, he's an awesome coach, man. You watch some of those videos of him firing up his boys in the locker room. Yeah. I'm convinced he could still play. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. He, he's probably better than anyone on the Canucks great... fourth line, so. Well, if I had to pick, like, a couple guys that are not in the NHL anymore to play, like, that are just office executives in the NHL, Rock Brindamore is number one. Nope. Number two, nope. honestly, is probably Mark Bergevin. I was going to say number one is Mark Bergevin because he's going to kick the crap out of anybody else. <laughs> I, I, 
Can that dude even fit in a jersey anymore with those biceps? No. <laughs> They'd have to bring the old school suit. ones back. <laughs> not, not the fitted ones. They're gonna des- they're gonna design they're gonna design a new style of suit jacket. It's called the Brennamore. <laughs> yeah. And the Burge of Edward it's just like all arms and like a little bit of torso. Yeah. Yeah. But like I I yeah, I love everything that Carolina's doing. I love that. Uh, you brought up the elite prospects list. Uh, that was done by Cam Robinson. Shout out to Cam. That's an incredible amount of work went into that. Yeah. And as far as the Canucks ranking goes, I honestly think it comes down to two words. Quinn Hughes. That's really it. Yeah, as soon good. as like Quinn Hughes graduates up to the NHL, which we know he will immediately, the Canucks will plummet a little bit down the depth chart. That being said, we do have great prospect pool still. Yeah, I just yeah. don't know if it's a top five still with Quinn Hughes. Not right, right now, I think the top prospect pools, like, but obviously the Rangers are number one. But I think for at least the Canadian teams, it's a mixed match between Montreal and Vancouver. It could go either way. Um, yeah. I think it's really just going to depend who graduates. Um, we expect Quinn Hughes to graduate this year from Vancouver, from Montreal, um, Paling and Suzuki. Could both graduate this year, so they're both mm-hmm. gonna lose their top end guys there. So, but even then, like I still think both of those teams' prospect pools, maybe minus Ottawa, is better than the rest of the Canadian teams. Ottawa so, has yeah. they're they're deep too, so yeah, they are. But yeah. I thought to that was me, a they're really light years ahead of everybody else in, in Canada, at least. Like, yeah. if you Edmonton's guys have starting to finally put some stuff together, but. Yeah, it's it's, it's a long way to get to where Montreal and Vancouver and they Ottawa might, are. They might just blow it all up for all we know. <laughs> True. But no, if you guys haven't checked out that list yet, it's really good. And there's like insanely in-depth articles. Even if you're on a fan of the Canucks, you got some other teams you like, like go, and you want to learn up about their prospects. Like each one of those like gives an in-depth top ten prospects for each team that they have, and it's it's incredible. Yeah. Exactly. I I tried to get. Uh, Cam Robinson to guest on the show, but he just had a baby girl. So congratulations to congratulations, Cam. Congratulations, man. We're hoping that we'll have him on some point in the future because I'd love to talk hockey with Cam. He's a brilliant hockey mind. Great writer. Oh. If you're not already following Cam, we'll, you got we'll him. Give him a follow. We'll uh, we'll have him when it's all settled down, maybe months when the season begins or something. But we'll hopefully, yeah. yeah. Time will tell. So, guys, anything you, right. any last words? Uh, no, I think we just had them, so I, I think we're good. Well, I, I've got one more, if if you don't mind. I've got an article dropping tomorrow morning, so by the time oh, yeah. you're hearing this, it is out. Um, it's part one of a two-part series that have started uh, what the Canucks can do to improve off the ice. Uh, so part one will cover stuff in-game experience-wise. Uh, so... It'll be on the Canuck way. You can find it there. I'll be sharing it, of course. So uh, you should be able to see that if you're seeing the podcast. So I, I definitely will have a, a few opinions for you about that when uh, the season starts up and I'm at all the games. There we go. I'm going to leave you yeah. guys off with a little bit of a fun fact. Since we talked yeah. about our boy, Saborin, I can't even <laughs> say it now. <laughs> oh, my God. Danny Saverin. Saverin. Yeah. Why do I want to keep saying Saborin? Saberman, how long in overtime did he play before the Longo bailed him out? Oh, Sean, you go ahead first. 
right, I'm gonna say. I'll give you within like ten seconds. Ten seconds, the minute. Ten if seconds. we if we hit the minute, we're, that's gold. No, I'm making this <laughs> difficult. No. No, if it's we hit the minute. It's a five minute, minute overtime. Come on, that's I, a one it was, option. What? It's in no, no, it's in playoffs. Oh, that's like playoffs. That's a whole period. Oh, he right. just gave the answer. He just gave yeah, it's within five minutes. <laughs> it was three minutes and seventeen seconds. That's my guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. Damn it. <laughs> I'm gonna say it was like four minutes on the dot. No, Jess was closer. 3.34. I screwed it up. I forgot it was a playoff yeah. game. Oh. I forgot it was a playoff game. Oh, okay, yeah, fine. Right. I gotta redeem myself. How many shots did he face? Oh, shoot. Okay. Also, it was the second overtime. It wasn't the first That's overtime. right. I'm totally blanking on this. Right. That's right. It was the second. Okay, he I'm faced gonna say he eight faced shots. Ten shots. Eight. <sighs> eight for Jess? Yeah. Sean? Ten. Well... He only stopped five. Oh. Uh, Man, the accountant from Chicago stopped more. But the Ducks ended up winning. Yeah. He's spoiling the 56 save effort by the pair. Yep. Yeah. But that was a heartbreaker. I remember that so clearly still. That's my fumbled fun fact of the day. <laughs> 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 I like it. That was a tough one, man. I was, like, harder harder. I was like, what do you mean? Play overtime's only five? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm also still you... waiting for my beer after winning that one. Oh, that's right. I gotta get you that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll keep in receipts, awesome. boy. He'll keep tabs, so if I don't give it to him by next hey, week, he'll remind you, you, so. Do you, guys remember right. the, do you guys remember the name of the goalie that was the accountant for uh, for Chicago? Oh, I do. Oh, for the no, emergency? I yeah, no, I yeah. It's, right it's it's he's named after the beer of Australia. Oh, I, I, I can't pronounce any names. Why are you trying to pronounce this <laughs> name? Scott, <laughs> like like Foster, Scott Foster. Foster, uh, yeah, Scott Foster. Okay, everyone. What a legend! I'm blanking on these random goalies right now. <laughs> it's okay, they're random for a reason. Anyways, thanks for tuning in, everyone, this week. We hope to see you next week. Until then, farewell. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Area 51 Hockey Podcast. Hope to see you all next week. Until then, farewell.